Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. today. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. I'm going to tell you what God gave to me. Come on. How many know if God can speak through a donkey, then maybe God can speak through me? Come on. And I'm not talking about Pastor Jared. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I love you, Dad. He's probably tuning in right now. Um, We're so excited. We've been in a series called Circles Around the City. We believe that circles are good for you. We need to be in circles. Circles are good for your family. Circles are good for the church. Circles are good for your home life. Circles are good for your work. We believe that circles matter. So we've been trying to get 100 circles all around the city. Not only do we believe circles are good for you, but we believe they accelerate your life. We believe that God wants to accelerate your finances. God wants to accelerate your family, your friendships. God wants to accelerate your life, and he does that when we get in a circle. I've been in a circle called Ride for Freedom. We basically rode our bikes across the country, God accelerated us, and I believe it was because we were in a circle. We learned last week about Elijah, this cool dude Elijah who ran 17 miles in front of a chariot, that's all crazy, he threw on his Nikes, actually that's controversial, he threw on his Adidas, was running in front of the chariot, and when he got into the area, this is where we're going to be picking up from the story. He's in Jezreel, we find out that Queen Jezebel wants to kill him. So if you guys would, can we stand to our feet this morning? We're going to read the word of God if you're comfortable. And not only that, I'm going to read the first little bit, and then we're going to um, have you read the highlighted verse with me. So I'm going to read this first little bit. Here we go. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them, if I don't kill him. And so this is what Elijah, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. You ever talk back to your mama? He ran just like that. Here we go, people. This is what we're going to read together. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. To understand the context of the story, we need to know he left his servant there. He left his servant, went into the wilderness. We don't really know why. It's kind of confusing because this guy was his best friend. This guy was his, his man. He did all the miracles with him. This was the guy who went out and said, hey, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. This was an important person to him. He cared about him. Why in the world would he leave him? Maybe it's pride. He leaves him because I can do this on my own now. I don't need you. I'm all about me. Whatever it is, he left him. So we need to understand that. Let's continue on the verse, this last verse, verse 5. Here we go. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and under the bush and fell asleep. Today, I want to share the story of Rife for Freedom and the story of Elijah. I want to compare these two ideas because I believe they're connected in such a powerful way. But I'm telling you, God's put something deep down in me for two months. I've been preparing this message. This is not just something I got this week. It's been two months of hardship, something that I've been ready to come home and tell you guys, and I'm excited about it. Let's, uh, let's focus our hearts in for a second as we pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for who you are. 
We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your protection. God, I pray that you would do what I can't do today. I pray that you would speak through this broken vessel. God, that you would move and you would touch hearts and change lives. Lord, we invite you in this place. In the name of Jesus, we said, amen, amen. You guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. Come on, church, higher vision. It's good to be here. To understand this story, we need to know that Elijah, who he was, Elijah was the man. He was the myth, and he was the legend. <laughs> Elijah was the man. Everyone knew who Elijah was. He had two million followers on Instagram. When he walked into Israel, you know he had one strap on his shoulder, because it's not as, uh, it's a little bit cooler than having two. You know you did it in high school, some of you. Come on, you, you walked in with one shoulder on. He was the man. He was the cool guy. Everyone knew who Elijah was. When he, fire fell down from the sky, you know he posted it on his Twitter. Everyone knew that Elijah was called by God. Elijah was anointed. He was a prophet, a man chosen by God. This mighty man of God, in one day, all of a sudden, goes from being a mighty man to a depressed sufferer. It's strange to me, we look at this story, we see him called by God a day before, running ahead of a chariot, doing these amazing things for God. You can't deny this is a man chosen. In the matter of one day, he goes from a powerful prophet to a paranoid person in the matter of one day. And here's the reason why I believe this is the case. The only difference between this mighty man and this sufferer was the lack of relationship. It was the lack of relationship. Here's what I want to tell you today. This is something I believe I've ridden my bike across the country with a group. This is something I know to be true. Isolation can bring devastation. Isolation can bring devastation. What do you know? The enemy, he wants to take you out. The enemy knows if he can just get you alone, he can take you out. What's the number one rule of warfare? If you isolate the enemy, you cut off their supply lines, you cut off their troops, you cut them and get them isolated, you have a better chance of defeating the enemy. What does 1 Peter 5.8 say? Be sober, be vigilant. Your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy wants to come up against you, wants to get you, wants to get you isolated. So I'm here to tell you, I know the answer. I feel like God has shown me through this ride. So here's our first point. If you're taking notes, those of you online in Lancaster, if you're taking notes, everybody, Santa Paula in Blythe, here's our first point. Our first point is circles protect you. Turn to your neighbor and say, circles protect you. Come on, turn to your other neighbor, the one you just ignored, and say, circles protect you. You know, I got you. It happens to me. I realize it every time you choose one person. Circles protect you. So ride for freedom. We got out there and we're like, we're going to go change the world. Life is amazing. We're going to ride our bikes across the country. Life's going to be good. I can't wait to do this. And then day one hits. We actually get out on our bikes, right? We get out there. There's the first mile. We're like, woo, this is awesome. Uh, mile five, yeah, this is great. And then mile 10, oh, God, this is amazing. And then at mile 10, we're, we were feeling pretty good, but then we hit our first mountain. Everything changed. It was psychological warfare, people. First, it was the breathing. Everyone stopped talking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
This is all day long, people. Then it was the grunting and the groaning. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Why are these mountains so big? And then I'm crying out to God, Lord, move these mountains. God, you've done it before. You formed them. Make them all downhill, Jesus. You can do it again. You're a God of miracles. And literally, we are dying. We get to lunch. We all sit down. And I look around the table. I'm not kidding when I say this, guys. We were sitting there as grown men, just crying. <laughs> just crying. Why not, right? Because we're dying. We sit there. No one's talking. This is what we're thinking. 3,170 miles left. We have to go. 3,100. We've only gone 30 miles. We go outside. We fall asleep and uh, for about an hour, and we are just burnt out. But by the grace of God, it was super awesome. We were able to push on 40 more miles that day. We, didn't, we honestly didn't think we could go 10 more. But by, by the grace of God, we went 40 more. And the only reason we were able to do it is because we had a circle. We had a group of people getting together. I remember that first day at the end of the day, I thought my pulled a tendon right here, genuinely. I, uh, Anthony whipped out that icy hot. He started massaging my leg, protecting me. It was awesome. It felt amazing. And then the, 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 the story goes on. We keep writing. One of the greatest stories we have was in Pennsylvania. Basically, it's the middle of the night. We had already ridden and uh, rode our bikes about an hour. We get out there. We're terrified. There's, there's trucks flying by us. There's people, you know, looking at us like you're crazy. Why are you riding at night? And we still have about 10 miles left. Then something crazy happens. Andre's headlamp goes out. We all had headlamps. So we could see where we were going, and all of a sudden, his headlamp goes out. And so we were pretty, pretty wrecked. And here, here's a video to kind of uh, Way too that. late. One of the craziest nights of my life. It's 10.30. Neither are life right now. Uh, hour? Yeah. At least, at least an hour. At okay. least an hour. Right right an hour? Dark for about an hour, we can't. We can turn your light on. There's cars. We can't see the debris in front of us. Oh, we're losing the battery. Yeah. How are you feeling, Anthony? I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Only got three more days, day. buddy. Brutal day. We're almost there. We're going to Pizza Hut as our safe haven. We still have to bomb this huge hill. Um, and potentially climb another one. But I don't think so because we've got 1.9 miles left. Love you all. Oh my goodness, guys! It was it was brutal. We couldn't see anything. Like we were we were going down these huge hills, and we barely could see enough in front of us to see the debris. Like if there was a big branch, we would have been you know in trouble. By the grace of God, we were protected. But the, but the point I want to get across is this: Andre couldn't see in front of him, so we shifted the way we were riding. Instead of riding in a line, we got in a circle. And the reason we did that is because Andre couldn't see in front of him. He would have fallen and got hurt. He would have fallen and hurt himself if he didn't have somebody next to him who was able to shine a light in front of him. I believe in my life. I believe in your life. There are situations we're going to be in. There are moments that are going to come up. Maybe it's financial crisis. Maybe it's family divide. Maybe it's something going on at work. And if we don't have somebody next to us who is able to watch out for us, shine a light in front of us to see some things we can't see. We will never be protected. We will never be able to reach the fullest God has for us because we can't see in front of us. There was a moment on this ride where Andre could have gotten hurt, but because he had someone next to him, 
he was able to see in front of you. I'm telling you today, I believe we need to get some people around us who can see in front of us, who can say, hey, I see some debris on the ground. I see something that's coming up. Hey, maybe you shouldn't look at that. Hey, maybe you shouldn't talk this way because we need people around us who can see in front of us. Everything is great when our light is shining bright. Everything's awesome when we can see in front of us. But what happens when your light goes out? What happens when turmoil shows up in your life? What happens when your world falls apart? What do we do? We need people that are next to us that are able to pick us up. Hey, if you fall, I'm going to get you back right up. If there's something in front of you, I'm going to show you. We need people next to us who can see in front of the things we can't see. Come on, somebody. What does Hebrews 10.24 say? This is what Hebrews 10.24 says right here. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. That's the most important part for me. Not giving up meeting together. That's like the Bible throwing a little shade right there. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What happens, though? We get in a circle. We go for a few weeks, and then we're like, oh, my God, that person's disgusting. They don't even clip their nails. <laughs> it's sick. They have, like, grimy fingernails. Do they even take sh- do, they, do they know they have B.O.? They have BO. Everyone knows they have BO, but they don't know they have BO. Is there not running water in Santa Clarita Valley? They just don't like to brush their teeth? Then, then we go to another circle. Oh, well, that person talks too much. Every time there's a question, they answer it. I want to talk a little bit. Come on, every question, really? You have something to say? There's other people in this, this, this circle, man. What is it? You show up to to circle. Well, I was the most fashionable one. Now Pastor Randy showed up. I'm the second most fashionable What happens? We get upset and we look like Elijah. Why? Because Elijah walked away. We walk away from our circle. We walk away from our relationship. We walk away from where God has called us to be because we all know he's called us to relationship. We walk away from where we're supposed to be. And then what happens? Here's the next verse, verse 4. We're going back to this real quick. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. We find ourselves in a crisis just like Elijah. Maybe it's financial crisis. Maybe, maybe it's something going on. God, God I, I'm in debt right now. You said I was going to be out of debt. You said I'd be out of here. I shouldn't be here right now. God, why did you let this happen to me? Or maybe it's addiction. I, I thought I was going to be done with this. Lord, you said I'm free. You said it was going to be over. You said I wasn't going to deal with it anymore. But still, there's a bottle in my hand. I'm still looking at things I shouldn't. God, you said I was free. Why am I not free? We get mad at God. We blame God. There's a situation in that anger that gets in our heart. We sit against a tree. We complain. But maybe the reason we're there in the first place, could it be it's because we walked away from our circle? We walked away from the people that are next to us who are able to encourage us to see the things we can't see. That's why we need to be in a circle, so that people can watch out for you. People can look out for you. People can stand next to you to encourage you, to lift you up. When things aren't going great, it's going to happen. We need people to stand next to us to protect us. I'm telling you today, I know it to be true. I rode my bike, and I know I needed people that could stand there with me. What does the Bible say in Ecclesiastes 4.9? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, oh, one can help the other up. I'm telling you today, I believe with all my heart that we need to be in a circle because circles protect you. Come on, let's give Jesus an amen today. Not only do circles 
protect you, but circles feel you. Somebody say, circles feel you. Try to say feel you like 10 times fast. I like to practice like 10 times because I can't even say the word. It's so hard to say. Circles feel you. Let's read, continue on in the scripture, verse 6, here with Elijah. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. It sounds like my mom this morning. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time we see angel food cake in history. That one is for my dad. He wanted me to say that. We need to understand that in this moment, God gave Elijah what he needed. He gave him nutrients. He gave him food. He gave him water. He gave him encouragement. God gave him what he needed in the moment. Let's continue on with the scriptures. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days. Some translations say he ran. He ran 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. If we want to talk about acceleration, if we want to talk about a story where God accelerated someone beyond belief in a powerful way, this is the story. Not only in one moment did God restore and rejuvenate his mental health, his physical health, his spiritual health, everything he needed. He not only did that, but he propelled him forward for 40 days and 40 nights. That's an incredible story to me. It reminds me of Ride for Freedom. We rode for 55 days. Literally 50, we didn't run that night, okay? I mean, we did sometimes trying to get out of there, but 55 days. It was brutal. It was intense. It was always something new every day. There was always roadkill. Like, you would not believe it. People in Nebraska, like, there's signs that have shots in the signs. It's, like, crazy. Like, sh they shoot deer just, like, running down the road like it's a fun thing to do. It's just crazy. Then, then we're riding through. There's corn everywhere. People, do you understand America is just mainly corn? <laughs> like, I didn't know this. I genuinely shocked when I found this out. From, like, the beginning of Nebraska all the way to New York. Every day, just corn. It's, and it... We went and stopped and ate some once, and it was, that was a bad decision. It was, wasn't very good. But there were so many bad things we went through, whether it was the rainstorms. There were four rainstorms, potentially more we had to ride through. It was brutal. One day, we were 60 miles away from 30-plus tornadoes. That's not an exaggeration, 30-plus tornadoes. There were so many moments where it was brutal. It was hard. It hurt. We were tired. It was, got so humid near the East Coast. It was brutal. We would whip out those cliff bars. Man, we'd eat those things so fast. Oh, my gosh. They never tasted so good in my life. I hate cliff bars, but, man, those, I loved cliff bars during our ride, man. I don't know why. It's like my parents always buy me cliff bars, and I'm like, I just don't want to eat them anymore. But on that ride, I was like, just give me more cliff bars. I want cliff bars. Then we took the camelback. You know that thing with, like, the little squeegee thing you put in your mouth and the water comes through it? We would suck, like, a gallon in, like, 30 miles. We'd just going hard, man, just drinking as much as we could. It was brutal. There was one day specifically, though, that was harder than, than, than a lot of the days we were out there. We were out in the middle of the Idaho desert. First of all, I had no idea there was Idaho desert, so that was a surprise to me. But we were in the middle of the Idaho desert, and it is brutally hot. It is brutally exhausting. We get out there. We don't have any more service on our phones, which means we have no more navigation. We use Google Maps. So we couldn't use our maps anymore, and it was terrifying. Um, and the worst part was, not only was it hot, not only were we climbing mountains, but we were out of water. We ran out of water. And so this is, this is a video from that clip right there. 
You could show that on the screen. So here we are. There's a wasp flying right by my face. We are in the middle of nowhere. This is the first shade that's been here for miles. No service. No service. So I don't know where we are. Where would you say we are? There's just sunscreen on my nose. Middle of nowhere. We're literally middle of nowhere. I've never felt like I've been closer to dying in my life. Genuinely. It's funny, but... <laughs> I don't know if you can see, like, there's wasps. There are mosquitoes everywhere. all around see. us. We literally almost ran out of water. We had no idea how far away we were from anywhere. But luckily someone stopped by and gave us more water. But I'm serious. For a second, I thought, I didn't know if we'd make it out of here. That, that moment was honestly, it was crazy. I'm laughing because for some reason I always laughed when it was like the worst like moment to laugh. I don't know why. It's just something I do sometimes. But it was awful. But I'm telling you, somebody showed up in a truck. I genuinely believe it was an angel. And this is the first thing he says to us. Hey, guys, do you need some water? Come on, how amazing is that? Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where we'd be without that. We're standing there, and I just want to make a little comment. I was praying this morning, and I just, I feel like God's saying this to me. There are some angels that come into our lives, and sometimes we don't even recognize it. We don't recognize when God shows up. We don't recognize, and sometimes you don't even receive it. God's there to give us something. God's there to, to provide us with something, but we aren't focused on him. We aren't, we aren't paying attention, and we miss the angel. We miss the opportunity. We, we don't even recognize that there's an angel sent by God in that moment. We could have just thought, oh, it was just water, you know, but God sent that person there for us. There's something I understood on this ride, and I believe it to be true. There are things that God can give you that the world can't give you. There are God-sized cavities. There are God-sized holes in your body that the world will never be able to fill. We can search. We can look. We will never be able to satisfy it. But what happens is instead of receiving our angel food cake that God has given us, we settle for some deviled eggs. <laughs> that one was all me, people. We settle for some deviled eggs. We settle for some things that we think will satisfy us. Well, maybe if I just get the right job, I, I'll make a little bit more money. Life will be good again. If I find the right girl, oh, if I find that right girl, we can settle down. Life will be good again. I'll feel right. I'll feel at home. If I find the right hobby, I can blow off some steam. Life will be normal at home again. And we search our whole lives trying to find something the world can satisfy us with when God has already given us what we need. God has already provided us what, what we need. He's given us everything. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has given us everything we need, everything we need in the moment. And what's, in, what's so powerful about this story is this. God gave Elijah the nourishment he needed not only to get through the valley, but to get to the top of the mountain. God not only gave Elijah what he needed to make it through the trial, to make it through the storm, to make it through the valley, to get out of the valley, he gave him what he needed to make it to the top of the mountain. I have a question today, church. How many of us are stuck in a valley, stuck in a rut, stuck in a situation we shouldn't be in, are here all because we never properly nourished ourselves with what God has for us? We spend our whole lives searching for what can satisfy me. I want more of this. I need more of this. This will make me happy. When the answer is Jesus, this is what Elijah had. He had temporary bread. 
He had something that would last a little bit. I'm telling you, we have what Elijah never had. We have what he was searching for. And his name is Jesus. His name is Almighty. Counselor, wonderful, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did he say? I am the bread of life. I've come from heaven down to the earth. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. If you're going through something, if something's coming up against you, I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. He's all you need to make it through this. Jesus is the answer. He came. He died for me. I made a decision. The cross before me, the world behind me, I know who my God is. He's my God. He died for me. He set me free. He's the most expensive, beautiful angel food cake we've ever seen covered in chocolate sauce. Come on, his name is Jesus. Let's give him a shout of praise. His name is Jesus. Come on, he's the answer. He's all we need. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for me, Lord. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful you died for me and my family. I'm so thankful for what you did for me, God. I'm thankful for your grace. He's the answer, people. If you're searching, if you're looking, know that Jesus is the one that died for you and he's everything you need. Now I'm going to stop crying and continue on with this message, okay? Just got a little bit of a moment. Some of you are, are sitting there and going, oh, Tanner, bro, what about circles, man? You're up there crying and stuff. We're not even talking about circles anymore. Okay, whatever, bro. So this is what happened. The moment that Elijah got in a circle, the moment he got connected, because a lot of theologians believe this angel was actually a person, and he would have never known he was an angel. So the moment he got in relationship again, the moment he got in a circle again, God accelerated him for 40 days and 40 nights. The moment he got in relationship, the moment he connected to somebody, God accelerated him and accelerated his life. Haven't we learned that's God's plan for circles, to accelerate your life, to push you forward. God wants you to get in a circle, and here's the reason why, because he wants to accelerate you. The story with Andre, we would have never been able to ride as fast that night, ride as efficiently, because he would have been hindered. We probably would have had to walk our bikes. Because you get in a circle, God is able to accelerate you. God not only protects you, circles not only protect you, Circles not only fuel you, but say this, circles are, just, are not just about you. Circles are not just about you. Tanner, bro, that's kind of rude, man. You shouldn't talk to me like that. This is church. There's things you can say and things you can't say. Well, I'm telling you the truth. I believe it with my heart, and I believe it for me. Circles aren't just about me. When we look at the story of Elijah, when we look at this moment in time, he goes to the top of the mountain. He gets there, and what's the first thing God says to him? This is what he says to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? When I read that, I interpreted it as this. What in the world are you doing here? Why are you here? You know where you should be. You know where I've called you to. Why are you here, Elijah? You know you're supposed to prophesy to these nations. You know you're supposed to bring miracles to this place. What in the world are you doing here? Why are you here? You know where I've called you to. You know the circle I've called you to. What in the world are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? The conversation continues. And this is how it ends. This is what God says to him. 
He says to him in the verse, if we can look here, it says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back to where I, I sent you from. Go back to where you're called to be. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, listen to this, guys. Anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. So what, this is what I think God is saying here. Elijah, don't you understand there's a king waiting for you? Don't you understand there's a king who's been waiting his whole life for this moment? There's a king over in Israel that's waiting to be crowned as king. Elijah, don't you understand there are people waiting for you? Don't you understand there, there's a king over in Aram who's about to fight some battles, win some wars, but none of that will happen until you get off this mountain? Elijah, don't you understand there are people waiting for you? How dare you stay in this cave? How dare you, how dare you stay on this mountain? What are you doing here, Elijah? You know there are people waiting for you. How can you stay here when, when people are waiting, waiting for you to get off this mountain? What in the world are you doing here, Elijah? But what do we know about Elijah? He's selfish. He's a man who's all about me. What did he do? He left his servant and went into the wilderness all by himself. And then this next scripture says, what does it say? I am no better than my ancestors. It's always a competition game with Elijah. It's always about me. It's always about how I look. It's always about what I can do. And then something shifts. He realizes that circles aren't just about me. He gets off the mountain. He goes back home and what happens? God gives him influence over all of Israel because he anoints the king. He gets influence over all of Israel. He gets influence over all of Aram because he anoints the king. And then he anoints Elisha to be prophet within years to come. And he is a man who does twice as much in his life as Elijah would ever do. Because he got in a circle. I'm telling you, ride for freedom. There's one thing we understood. Every day we would ride. Every day it was brutal. There are moments I wanted to get off that bike. I was in Wyoming. Anthony, I, I don't want to ride anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This is brutal. This is hard for me. This hurts. But I'm telling you, I understood one thing. That circles aren't about me. There are people waiting for me to finish this ride. There are people back home, people in Cambodia. There are women and children waiting to be saved. How dare I stop here? How dare I make this circle about me? Circles aren't just about me. There are women, there are lives that need to be changed, homes that need to be restored. I'm telling you today, who's in the cubicle next to you? Are they talking about their marriage in a way they shouldn't? Who's in the hair salon with you? Who's at the sports complex with you? I'm telling you right now, God has called us to get off our mountain, get out of our cave, get off our couch, stop watching Sports Center. There are lives that need to be changed. There are homes that need to be restored. There are lives that need to come into the storehouse. There are people that need to know the name of Jesus. But what do we do? We're too busy sitting on our mountain, sitting in our cave. There are so many lives that need to know Jesus, that need to meet Jesus. 
all it takes is for us to get off our mountain and understand there are lives, there are people, there are homes. There are empty seats in here, people. That means there's more people that can come here today. Broken lives, they may not go to heaven. Do we understand the reality? Do we understand what could happen if they don't get here? We need to get off of our mountain and run to relationship and run to a circle. Circles protect you. Circles feel you. But circles aren't just about you. He ran to relationship. And today, there's no better relationship to run to than Jesus. That's the main relationship. That's the one that matters. If you get everything else wrong, the one that matters is the relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you today, Jesus has changed my life. He's turned me around. I serve him. I follow him. It's the best decision. It's simple. I just chose to say, Jesus, I want to be in your circle. Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you.